Fantastic. What you just saw uh, was uh, we are going to be starting a new series starting in two weeks entitled Frantic Family. Really excited about this series because it's one of those things. Here's what I know about summer. With summer coming, when you were a like teenager, when you were a child, you loved summer, right? Because you got out of school, right? And here's the thing. Kids, and if you're in here, uh, teenagers, if you're in here, here's what you need to know. When you get out of school and you enter into the real world, summers, you keep on working, right? You just do, all right? Summers are not that great, all right? In fact, if you're a parent of a child, summers are even a little bit crazier because now you have a child who was really excited about getting out of school, you know, and summer's here, and the first day, they're like, great. The next day, Dad, we're bored. What, what, what are we going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And it's just like, ah! So that's the reason why we're starting this series on May the 10th entitled Frantic Family because we know summer's coming and this is a parenting series that all of us, we have the tendency to pull our hair out. So uh, we're going to be talking about a lot of great things in this series. Uh, One of the things we're going to be tackling is just this whole idea of social media and electronics and technology uh, and kids and and how all that affects and it's going to be really, really good. So um, we've been working on this series for a, a long time, so I'm excited about getting there on May the 10th. Now, where we're at today is we are our second to last uh, teaching series of Bold. And if you've been here any amount of time, you know the Bold is more than just a teaching series. Uh, It really is a direction that we are redirecting and going towards over the next two to five years here at OneChurch.tv. Um, one of the things that we're wanting to look at, and we've been kind of asking some questions, is we want to figure out how we can do things better and how we can do things bolder. Because our vision here at OneChurch.tv is we want to create churches that unchurched people love to attend. Our mission is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And everything that we do goes towards that. So we've been kind of, and the reason why that's so important to us is here's the thing. Jesus said it this way, that I have come to seek and to save those who are lost, those who are far from God. And the reason why that's such a poignant message today is right now, 12% of people in Clarksville, Montgomery County, Fort Campbell, Hopkinsville are going to be attending a church. 12%. That leaves 88% of people that are not going to be connecting to God through a local church. And that bothers me. And I think it bothers our Heavenly Father because we have a lot of churches that you could go to, but not a lot of churches that if you didn't grow up in church or maybe you've been bounced out or hurt by the church, we don't have a lot of churches where unchurched people can attend and be able to understand a message that God loves them and God wants them to grow. So if this is your first time here today, I'm so glad you're here today. You're kind of, uh, kind of, we're kind of opening up the curtain behind us so that you can kind of see what makes us tick and what we're doing and kind of what our future plans is over the next two years. And one of the things we talked about last week is bold, that bold, we're praying that this series would be not only a, a redirect and a direction for our church, but also a direction for you. Because here's what I'm praying. I'm praying that God will stretch you and he will stretch me. He will stretch our faith in some amazing ways because all of us, we have the courage and the faith to take that next step and to become bold. So here is where we're going. We talked about this last week, that bold is an attack on normal. And one of the things we talked about last week is the bad thing about normal is normal always gets worse, right? 
You can have a normal marriage, and it's going to get probably worse. And you're going to get, you have a normal job, and it's probably going to stink more. And I mean, it just gets worse. And bold, we want to do some things differently. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Let me let you kind of see what, how this happens for us as a church and what our two bold moves are. Our first bold move is this, is we want to secure a permanent location. One of the things that we've talked about is uh, we have a lot of things that we would like to start doing, but really we can't do because we are only limited to Sunday mornings. Uh, We would like to be able to start a service for singles. We'd like to be able to do some things bigger and better for our student ministry that meets on Wednesday nights. But right now, they're meeting in a location. They're meeting in a rented office space that's very, very small. And having a permanent location is really going to help uh, expand that. We're going to stop telling the shoe, stop telling the foot how big it can grow by how big the shoe is. So really excited about that. And even though we've been doing portable church now for almost eight years now, we believe that by going to a permanent location, it's going to free us up and free some of our volunteers up so that we can be able to do a portable church somewhere else. And that's our second bold move. Our second bold move is we want to launch churches. We want to launch more churches where unchurched people can love to attend. Because some of you, you've driven 20, 30 minutes to get here, and Christians will do that, but a non-Christian, somebody who's far from God, just won't do that. So we want to be able to provide different avenues so that people can be able to come to God and hear that God loves them. So that is where we're going, uh, our two bold moves. And our goal over the next two years, stretched out over two years, is $750,000. And that's given over above uh, our regular tithes and offerings. And I know that's a little scary. And I know if you're here and this is like your first time, you're going, oh, great. Been through one of these, right? I mean, this just brings up a lot of fear. And we talked about that last week. Um, We will always be a church that's focused on reaching people, not keeping people. Because there are so many people who need Jesus Christ that we're not changing our direction. We just, and and buildings have never been the goal for us. Our goal is connecting God with people and people with God. So nothing is changing about that. But some of you, I've hung out with you guys, and I've been in, in, in small groups. In fact, over the past, like, 10 days, I've been in, in, like, nine small groups, and I've loved hanging out with you. How many of y'all, if I went to your small group or we were in a town hall, let me see your hands. Let me see your... All right, very good. Most of y'all, that's really, really cool. Here's one of the things I learned about you guys. Number one, all of y'all are just a little bit crazy, and I love that, right? <laughs> Secondly, is there is a lot of fear around this there just is because some of you you were part of good churches that went bad right and uh and, and talking about uh, you saw some christians gone wild i mean they went cray cray they lost their ever loving minds and they fought over paint and carpet and everything right and and i and i get that some of you you were part of a you know a, a building campaign whatever that looks like and all that and, and it was just like ah i just have a lot of fear we talked about that last week. The reason why some of you are going to be hesitant to participate in being bold is it's wrapped up in those fears. I get that. Here's what I know, though, guys. I know that God wants to stretch your faith. I know that our Heavenly Father loves you too much to keep you comfortable, and He is going to push you. And many times, whatever your biggest fear is, He will push you into that fear and walk with you through that fear so that you will be able to see that our Heavenly Father is bigger than your greatest fears. Trust me, I know this. Remind me, and I'll tell you probably some of my greatest fears and how God made me confront those. 
telling you. So it's through this. I know this is going to stretch your faith, and I know you're going to want to go, oh, time out, Pastor. All right, I don't know about this. In fact, even today, some of you, uh, you probably haven't got them, but you're going to get them later. We're going to be giving out a commitment card for next week. Now, I know some of you are like, deuces, out of here, right? Um, nobody's locking the door, so you are free to leave. But let me just stop, because here's, here's what I know. You're thinking, a commitment card? Really? And we live in such an anti-commitment age. I mean, let's just be honest with you. I mean, but I'm going to talk about this a little bit later in the service, but this is really going to help us figure out, are we going to be able to meet this goal? And again, I know when I bring this up, it's like, hey, time out, stop. I don't think I'm done to do this because there's fear there. I just want to let you know, I get it. There is fear there. But know this, if you drill down into that and if you don't run from that tension, but you embrace it, Here's what I know, that our Heavenly Father is going to take your faith and stretch it. And you're going to go, wow. And this is going to be a watershed moment because some of you, you're in ruts. And what a rut is is where you do the same things over and over again and you expect something differently. Some of you heard it as insanity, right? Well, I'll be honest with you. God wants to do something that's going to be uncomfortable in your life. And uh, um, so I'm just going gonna, gonna to set this down, and we're going to address this later, that biggest fear. But some of y'all, you're going to go, I just, I, I don't know. So that is going to be one of your biggest excuses. And here's the thing. We've been asking in all these small groups, okay, what are you comfortable giving? Because all of us have a number. And then what would you give if you had more faith in God? Okay, I got that. And then what would you give if you knew God did something amazing in your life and through your finances? And see, here's what I know. Because my wife, her and I had this conversation yesterday. We're not going to land on the first number. We're just not. I don't think that's bold enough for us. I feel like my wife and I can be more generous. And let me tell you the reason why is because for the longest time, we used an excuse. You see, I'm a pastor who struggles with giving to God. You probably never heard of too many pastors like that. All right? For 10 years... My wife and I used an excuse. And this is going to be the excuse that some of you are going to use, and it's going to keep you from participating in bold. I'm just going to be honest with you. We talked about the fear last week. Some of you, you're like, I'd like to do that, Pastor, but... And we give an excuse. And here's the excuse that Kim and I gave for years. Here's our excuse. That if we had more money, that we would give more. If I had more money, then I would be more generous. I mean, I'll tell you, for 10 years, for a decade, my wife and I, we didn't get any raises at previous churches. Not here. I mean, our church and staff and our elders take great care of us here, but we didn't get any raises. In fact, I booed from one church in Alabama to a church in Virginia Beach and took a 20% pay cut. That was difficult. And, again, my wife and I, we would use this excuse, you know, we'd love to be able to give, but we can't because we just don't make enough money. And so let's just be honest. It's an all-skate here. How many of y'all, you've ever used that excuse? I have. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for being real. You know, we're a church that's not for perfect people, okay? If you're perfect, you may leave um, because uh, we're going to make you look bad. I'm just going to be honest with you. Right, And here, by the way, here's the thing. There's no perfect people out there. All of us struggle. We do. We do struggle. And as your pastor, I struggle with this too. 
And I'm going to share with you kind of um, how we got over this excuse today. I'm really going to share with you out of the Bible a story that Jesus told that attacks this idea head on. Because here's what I know, and if you really drill down on this, here is what you know. This whole thinking, if, if I had more, I'd give more. It's kind of like this thought. If, I'd like to have more responsibility at work. All right? I would like to have more responsibility at work. Um, and if I had more responsibility at work, then I would be responsible. Or, um, you know what? I, if I had a better spouse, then I would be a better spouse. Right? If, if I had a really good friend, then I, I would be a better friend. And let me tell you, that's never how that works. Uh, if you think yourself, and the excuse we give is, God, if you would have given me more, then I would be more generous. Some of you, you're going to hear this message, and you're not going to participate in bold because you're thinking, this really doesn't apply to me. I mean, Pastor, what you don't, I, I'm in a season of life that I can't give a lot. And, and we start comparing ourselves with each other. And, and this really doesn't fit with me. And I don't have enough. And if I had more, then I would give more. But I don't have everything. God has not given me everything that I need so that I could be bold. To be able to be generous. Therefore, it doesn't apply to me. And one of the reasons you're not going to engage with us, you're going to say it doesn't apply to me, it doesn't apply to me, is because all of us were tempted to look at the other person and say, you know what, if I had what she had, if I had what he had, if I was making the salary that he was making, if I could go on the vacations that that person could go on vacation, then I would be more generous. I, I would be more giving. I, I, I would totally do that. And Jesus deals with this excuse head on. So he's going to be all up in your grill, all up in your business today. It ain't me. If, you, hey, if you're going to get mad at somebody, get mad at Jesus. Right? Because I'm just going to be using his words. And before we get to it, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 25, by the way. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and start turning. You can pull out U version, pick up, pull it up on live. Before we get there, before we text, I'm just going to say this. In order for bold to work, it's going to be an all skate. It's going to take all of us. If you're thinking, you know what, I hope that person in front of me is going to do this, but I'm not going to do it because I don't have enough. Let me tell you, bold will never be a possibility. But if you are willing to be bold and to ask God and to ask your significant other, if you're married, to say, you know what, what do you think we should give? What does bold look like for us? What does a bold sacrifice look like for us? That's what I'm going to ask you to drill down on. Because I'm telling you, it's going to bring some tension. There's some fears and there's some excuses. Let's look at how Jesus addressed this excuse head on in Matthew chapter 25 verse 14 and he tells a story. Do you know that Jesus liked to tell stories? Some of you like to tell stories but they're a little bit different. Alright? But Jesus he tells a story. In fact some people call him a parable. If you've grown up in church you've heard that. A parable is just a story with a point. So Jesus is proving a point and he's using a story to do it. So in Matthew chapter 25 verse 14 will you read this? Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants, and by the way, that would be us in this story. We're his servants, and the person giving out money, the master, is God. All right? So God is giving out money, and he entrusted what? What's it say? Keep on going. And he entrusted what? His money to them. Can we all say that? What's in yellow? His money to to them while he was gone. Now, one of the tensions that I've realized in the Bible is this. When I think about money, I think of it as my money. 
Some of you think of it as mo money. I get that. All right? And we all want mo money. But here's the thing. We think of it as my money. In fact, in, in, in fact, the tension when we talk about money in church, and I think this is your first time here. I'm so glad you're here and you're like, should have picked another series. Well, it's one coming in two weeks. But you need to know this. This isn't for us to, 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 so that we can build some monstrosity of something. It is not, we, if the person who invited you here today, they invited you and they're investing in you. And that's what Bold is. We want to create more spaces, more churches where unchurched people love to attend. But here's the thing. And this is what you get, and this is what I get. We think of it as my money. And why does the church want my money, right? And, uh, I mean, uh, and I have to get, make a gift out of my money? And why does this person want my money? Okay, now put that scripture. Whose money is it? Oh, let's, let's, let's get serious here now, right? Some of you are going, you better stop preaching, Pastor. Because right? here's the thing. Here's what we think. And if you grew up in church, you got this. Okay, this is what. I'm going to take 10% of my money, and I'm going to give it to God. <laughs> it's his money. All of it, 100%. Because who gave you the breath to make your money? Who gave you the skill and, and, and the talent to be able to make your money? Who gave you the education? Who gave you the day? Who's going to wake you up tomorrow morning? Because some people aren't going to wake up tomorrow morning. Who's going to wake you up and say, you know what? Whose money is it? See, it's all God's. He just asked for a percentage back. So it's what are we going to do with his money? Because it's not my money. It's God's money. Everything I have belongs to him, not just what I give away, but even everything I keep and what I spend on. So Jesus says that's what really life is like. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to put yourself in different places in this story. Because some, there's going to be one point in this story you're going to go, time out, that's not fair. That's not fair. And I'm going to be honest with you, when we get to this point in the story, I'm going to agree with you, it's not fair. And, but I want you to put yourself in this story, I want you to put yourself as the person who's the master who's giving away money. All right? Because here's the thing, if you put yourself as the person who's giving away money and trusting their money, all right, think about it, how would you want your money to be handled? How would you want your money to be handled? If you wanted to give some money for somebody to invest... How would you want that money to be handled? You would want them to handle your money well. And if you have a financial advisor, if you invest in something, you wouldn't want them to say, okay, Chris, so you're giving us $10,000 to invest? Great. All right, guys, we're going to Vegas. Woo! Right? I mean, you wouldn't want that financial advisor. You wouldn't. Right? Because you would want them... You're, you're giving them your money because you are entrusting them, entrusting them to be able to handle your money better than what you would handle it, all right? That's the reason why you invest with investment advisors. You do that because they're supposed to do as well or better with your money than you would, right? And God is saying, that's exactly what I'm asking for. It's exit. Now, look at the next part of the story. This is what strikes us as unfair, and this is what we get our excuse and what I used as an excuse for over a decade. He gave, talking about the master God, he gave how many? Five bags of silver to one. Now, if you got the five bags of silver, you're going, woohoo! <laughs> Look at the next one. How many did he give to the other person? Two bags of silver. Oh, no, he didn't. And if you're, the, and, and then what, what's the next one? Does that strike you guys as unfair? It does me. 
It's okay to say that. I mean, if, you're, if you got the one bag, you're going, uh, hello? Right? Let's read it though, right? He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their ability. So the master's giving away his money, and again, one person got one, one person got two, and one person got five. Now, how much money did the person who got one bag of silver, what does that look like in our day and age? Let me just tell you what it is. One bag of silver equals 20 years worth of salary or wages. Now, think about that. I don't know what that looks like for you, but let's just, I'm going to have to pick a number. Let's say that's $600,000. The 20 years worth of salary for you is $600,000. If somebody gave you $600,000, would you be happy or sad? Yes, sir. Right? I mean, 600 grand? In fact, let's just be honest. I'll be bold. We're only at, you know, our goal is what? 750. Somebody gave me 600. I'm like, all right. Right? We, 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 we got 150 left. Woo, right? I mean, that's a chunk of change. So you have this one person who has one bag of silver, $600,000. The person who got two bags, what is he? He has $1.2 million. And then the person who got five bags of silver, all right, that's equivalent to around $3 million, however you slice it. That's a lot of money. Whether you got one bag or five, whether you got 600,000 or 3 million, that's a lot of money. If somebody gave you a check for 600 grand, that would probably change your circumstances right now, wouldn't it? Oh, yes, it would. That would be life changing. So, in Jesus' story, three people, three different size gifts 3 million, 1.2 million, and 600,000. Now, let's keep on reading. Then the master left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned how much? Five more. So we got, we got five stacks of cash, he has five bags, and then he adds five more for a total equivalent of 10. Very good. That was a young person who said that. Saying, All right, sweet. Now, let's keep on going. Now the servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more for equivalent of? Thank you, fantastic. But the servant who received the one bag of silver, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they used, who, what? His money. Now again, put yourself in this story. If you're sitting here, and this is where our excuses come in, because you're like, that's unfair. That's not right. And you know what? It, it, it's not fair. And I think most of us here would say, you know what? I'm, I'm, not a five, I'm not a five person. God hasn't blessed me, and I'm not a multimillionaire. Okay, okay. So, uh, I mean, it's just not, maybe that you're here, you're just, that's just not me. And mo- probably none of us would say, you know, we're one. We have one bag. We'd probably put ourselves in the two. And, 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 and you're thinking this way. If I got five bags of anything, then I would be more faithful. I mean, God, if if you made me a millionaire, then I would give more. But you see, God, you only gave me two bags. Or you only gave me one bag. I only got one stack. You see, God, if you would have given me more, then I would be more faithful. 
All of us think, if I was the guy with five, if I was the guy who was who had abundance, if I was the guy who had the three million, who married well, or maybe your business just took off, if I was the person who, wait, who got into that prestigious Ivy League school, if I was the person who got all the breaks, then I would be able the person who would be able to give more. And if you're thinking that way, watch out. Because the story unfolds, Jesus is going to totally obliterate my argument. And the argument that Kim and I, excuse Kim and I used for 10 years about not giving to God. Because we thought, God, if you were more faithful to us, then I would be more faithful to you. Look what it says. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I've earned five more. And again, if you're sitting there and you're holding the two bags, or maybe you're the one bagger, you're thinking they're going, huh, of course, of course, of course he was able to do a whole lot more because you gave him more. Of course you can make a commitment like that because you, of course you could be generous if you had that much money. Of course you would. I mean, gosh, I mean, if I had your circumstances, if I, if I, I would have done it exactly the same thing. But I'm not in your circumstances. I'm not a five money bag person. I just have two. I just have one. So let's see what, what God does with Mr. Moneybags here. Verse 21. The master was what? Full of praise. And there's maybe a little bit of cynicism when I say that, maybe a little bit of cynicism inside me and you that goes, well, that's just not fair. I mean, you're going to praise him, but you gave him more already. I mean, his 10% is bigger than my 100%. Right? I mean, the five that you gave him, even if, I mean, I'm never going to be there. Okay, okay, I got you. But look at what the master says. The master was full of praise, he says. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling small things? Really? Three million dollars is small? (laughs) So now I'm going to give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Again, again, there's another side of this that you and I are going to have to tackle through this. Because, and it's such a wonderful lesson for all of us. For any, if anyone in here has ever asked God, God, why didn't you give me a little bit more? Why don't you trust me with a little bit more? How come you didn't do that? What you do with what God has entrusted you with today will impact what God trusts you with tomorrow. What you do, what you do with what God has entrusted you with today will impact what God entrusts you with tomorrow. And you know this principle. In fact, some of you, you would behave the same way. I mean, if you're a boss, how many of you, you're the boss of where you're at? Maybe you, uh, people are under you. Let me see your hands. Okay, cool. Thank you. All right, well, let's talk to you for a sec. If you were the boss, and some of you are bosses, and, and it's like, you know, who are you going to promote? Who are you going to promote? Are you going to promote the person that says, you know what, I will be more responsible if you give me more responsibility. But in the meantime, they're sick every Friday, and they're come, they come to late to work every Monday, especially, and, and, they, and they never show up when it's sunny. Oh, dear Lord. Right? And, and if you're the boss, you're thinking, I'm going to promote you. The person who watches the clock, and, I mean, and clocks out five minutes early and comes in five minutes late, who, and when they are here, they're on Facebook and Candy Crush Saga all the time. I'm going to promote you. I, I'm going to promote you who never gets your reports filed on time. I'm going to promote you. Would you promote that person? No, you wouldn't. You see, because what you're entrusted with today 
will be the measure of what you're entrusted with tomorrow. Some of you, you got this little apartment and there are potato chips everywhere. It is a hot mess. It hasn't been cleaned in forever and you want a bigger house? And, and, and you think that if you had a bigger house that, you, that would make you more faithful? I don't think so. See, what you do with what you're entrusted with today impacts what God entrusts you with tomorrow. And unless you think that's unfair, you would act exactly the same way. Let's say this. You do a college student, and uh, this is their first year of college, and you know they, are, you know, they, they, they don't have enough money. So you're, you come to him and he says, here's what I like to do. I, can't, I don't have enough money to pay all your tuition, but here's what I'm, I'm willing to do. I'm going to put $2,000 a semester towards your tuition. Wow. So that college student goes and parties every night, weekends, I mean, so plastered, he person don't even know his name and doesn't study and gets all f's if you're the person given that two thousand dollars a semester would you continue that in the spring semester no sir in fact you would say you know what um this just isn't working out um love to be able to do this for you but i don't think you know you're quite ready and uh when you're serious you come and we'll have a dialogue about this. Why? Because, here's the thing, what you do with what God trusts you with today will impact what God trusts you with tomorrow, simply. And this leads us to our big idea, because you know what? I do believe that God doesn't really care about what you start with. What he cares about is what you do with what you got. Here's our big idea. God asks you to be faithful with what you have, not with what you don't have. You see, God saying this, look, I'm not asking you to be faithful with what you don't have. You don't have a five bags, that's cool. But I am asking you to be faithful with what you do have. Two bags, one bag, all right? That's huge. God asks you to be faithful with what you have, not with what you don't have. Now again, we've been in this situation before. Let's assume you're not the first guy. You're not Mr. Moneybags. You're not the $3 million dude. But you're the second or third guy, and let's assume you didn't get those five bags of money, but you got the two bags or the one bag. All of a sudden, Mr. Moneybags come, and he says, you know what? Not only do I have five, but I have ten bags. I, I don't have three million dollars. I have six million dollars. Here you go. Now, if, if you only got the two or the one, and if you got the two and you doubled it, that means you got four. And how are you feeling compared to Mr. Moneybags? Not that great, are you? Because think of it, he has, you only have like 40% of what he's got. And you're thinking, you know what? I hope, I hope the master's in a good mood. Look what happens, verse 22. The servant who received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned what? Two more. Here's a, there's something inside of you, there's something inside of me that says, God, I know that's just not as good as the person who has five bags. I know I really don't quite measure up. I, I know that, you know, he wrote a big check. I can't really write a big check. I don't really measure up. But look at this. I want you to compare verse 23 with what the master said to the person who had five bags. Let's look at it. The master said what? Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Do you know 
The person who had two and double two and the person who had five and double five both got the same amount of praise. They both got the same reward. You see, God doesn't care with what you start with. God cares what you do with what you got. Let me say it a little bit better way, with a better English. God asks you to be faithful with what you have, not with what you don't have. And you're sitting there thinking, you know what? If I, if, if, I, if I had more, if I could have started with more, if I had more money, then I would be more generous. It, let me tell you, do you really think that getting more money would make you more generous? Answer, no. And let me tell you the reason why. Having more money doesn't make you more generous because if you got your big financial break, if you won the lottery... If you hit the lottery, you would be as generous with $2 million as you were with just your $2. Why? Because your character when you had the $2 is the same character that you still have when you now have the $2 million. You would be stingy with $2 million just as you were with stingy with 2 And maybe you're financially, you're struggling right now, and I get that because I have been there. I've been there where I feel like I've got too much month at the end of my money. I get that. And I tell you, for years, Kim and I flunked this test. Flunked it. But here's the thing. We, I, we, we use this excuse. I know I'm not a very generous person. But that's because I don't have a lot of money. And it took somebody at one of the churches where I was serving at who came and was just real with me. Didn't throw stones, wasn't judgmental. But they came and... and <laughs> They, they did the books. and not a lot, no, no, Nobody knew what everybody made, just like here. I don't know what you make. I don't know what you give. Um, but they came to me and said, Chris, I've noticed you, you and Kim just really don't give a lot. You know what? They weren't, they weren't, they weren't cast in judgment. They did it in a loving way. You know what? He was right. Because we use the excuse, well, we don't give more because we don't have a lot to give. And God says, no, no, no. I just want you to be faithful with what I'm giving you. That's all I'm asking you to do. Jesus said it this way in Luke 16, 10. If you are faithful with what? Well, okay, when you say little, you've got to have a high voice. Ready? If you're faithful with little, oh, y'all are really good, little things, you will be faithful in large ones. Come on, put, I need Barry White. Come on, ready? If you're faithful in, you will be faithful in. All right, that's what Jesus said. All right? And see, what is, what is God after? It's not little or large, it's faithful. God is wanting us to be faithful. God asks you to be faithful with what you have, not with what you don't have. And we can kind of see where this is going because we know if the guy who had one, if he doubled his one, guess what? You know what, God, you know what the master would say? Well done my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in little things. Now I'm going to give you more responsibility. Let's come and celebrate together. But let me tell you, he didn't do that. This little piggy went to a different market. Because this guy, this one bad guy, he looked at his circumstances and he, was, he thought, you know what, that's unfair. He thought, you know what, if I would have gotten more, then I would have been more generous to you. I would be more faithful to you, God, if you're more faithful to me. Let's see how this goes. Then the servant with one bag of silver came, and this is where the dark music starts to play. Boom, boom, boom. The lights go down, the clouds come out. And he said, Master. All right? 
I knew you were a harsh man. God, you're not fair. You're not good. You're not just. Harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid. There's the fear. We talked about that last week. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. So, by the way, here's the one bag of silver, and here's a lump of dirt with it. Verse 26. Look, here's your money back, but the master replied, you wicked. Sometimes this is translated as worthless and lazy servant. If you knew I'd harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one who has ten bags of silver, to those who use well what they have been given. Even more will be given. You see that promise? And then they will have an abundance. But from those who do, what does it say? Nothing. Even what little they have will be taken away. Now again, before you get angry at this story, put yourself in the master's place you would do exactly the same thing with your money. You would. If you gave your son money and they blew it, they squandered it, they, they said all kinds of things about you behind your back, you would say, you know what, I'm done. I'm not going to invest with you anymore. If you went to a mutual fund advisor who says, you know what, thanks for the $10,000, here's 18 cents back. Excuse me? What happened? What happened? Well, we invested it in beanie babies. <laughs> right? You're going you're gonna to say, you're an awful investor. I'm never doing it, right? You would, right? And so God is saying, look, the system I've set up is so fair because it's the same test for everyone. I'm not asking you to be faithful with what you don't have. I'm asking you to be faithful with what you do have. And if you showed up and said, you know what, I've got two, and you know, two just might be a fraction of what Mr. Ten's got now, and, and Mr. Moneybag's here, I just have, I'm just a little guy, and we use an excuse, then you know what, we don't give. We can't even give to pay the lights, the light bill. I mean, all right, hang on. All right, now this is how the text reads. All right, thank you, Lord. I don't know what that was all about. All right. This is how word ends. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness. Welcome to outer darkness, guys. Where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Gnashing. I can see you guys really good now. How you doing, Josh? I can see you. All right. I am, what's up, Northrop? How you doing? All right. Anyway, sorry. Um, distraction. That's the reason why we have it this way, because I'm distracted by you guys now. So anyway, uh, what was I talking about? What was it? Gnashing of teeth. Gnashing is just grinding of teeth. Now, what does this mean? Does this mean they're in hell? No, because that's not how salvation works. Salvation is all about God's faithfulness. Salvation has nothing to do with our faithfulness and getting admission into heaven. So what does this mean, though? It's it's a symbol of regret. It's a sign of, man, I woulda, coulda, shoulda. I mean, this person's been there, you've been there. You look back, and hindsight's always twenty twenty, and you think, I shouldn't have done that, and I wish I'd invested it here, and I wish I'd have known the stock market would have done it. I wish I, I missed that. How was I so foolish to miss? I was so dumb. And it's one of those moments when you kind of look back and go, Ugh, man, I should have done something different. Because this guy knows how the story could have ended, right? He knows with his one, if he would have just doubled his one, what would he have heard? The same words. He would have got the same praise, but he did nothing with it. You see, God is asking you to be faithful with what you have, not with what you don't have. And some of you here, my guess is we have a few people here who are five people. 
I mean, you have the five bags, and your biggest question, you're kind of push. did God give me this just for my own soul benefit? Or does he want me to do something with it as an investment for a greater person? And all of a sudden, you're kind of asking those questions. I, I need to get to work so that I can invest more and do some different things because I want my money to outlive me. And I totally get that. And maybe your 10% is greater than most people's 90%. Again, I understand. Hello, Jesus. How you doing? Um, I understand that. I totally get that, right? If you're here and you don't have Benjamins in your wallet, right? You've got fives in your wallet, right? And you're going, dude, my 10% doesn't even, it's not a fraction. You don't know. God is not comparing you. We compare each other. God doesn't compare. He says, I want you to be faithful with what I've given you. You see, the powerful thing about this, and this is what I hope you and I will experience as we prepare to be bold next week, is that the reward for those who are bold with the little they have is the same reward for bold for those who have a lot with what they have. It is. It's the same. In fact, these stories are going to be powerful. We're going to share some of these next week. And there's just a bunch of us in the middle. And we're not one-baggers. We're not five-baggers. We just got two bags, and we're like... I'm kind of scared about this and I've never done anything quite like this and I've never really trusted God with my money and I get that and there's tension there so so when, when we come back next week and this is the challenging part we're going to ask you to take some time and pray to what bold commitment we would ask you to do I'm going to ask our ushers they're just going to hand these out I want you to look at these and, uh, and while you get them they're also going to be on the screen we're asking you to fill out a commitment card now, again, I know that brings fear in a lot of you guys' hearts. So let me just kind of unpack what that looks like, all right? Inside, you're going to see there's some personal information on giving, all right? Thank you so much, Barry. A personal information, if you would fill that out, all right? And then, um, and, and this is over and above your regular giving. So, now, here's the thing. This is going to be a sacrifice, and let me just be very clear. What you give and what you commit to give, we're not going to put on the screens, we're not going to put in an email blast to everybody. No one is going to know what you commit to, or if you commit to anything. I, do you know I don't know what you give? I don't. I don't want to know what you give. Because if I know what you give, I'm going to see dollar signs. I just want to see you as people. And here's the thing. I promise you, if you're here and you're going to write a $750,000 check, I, I would love for you to do that. We're not going to put your name on the building. We're not going to do plaque system. Anybody been to a church that had the plaque system? Right? Not going to do that. Because this isn't about us. Who is this about? God. So if your big fear is, oh, what are they going to do with this commitment? Are they going to make it public? The answer is no. We're not. So why do you want my name? Great question. Um, how many of y'all would like to pay less in taxes? Let me say this different. How many of y'all would like to make more money back in taxes? You see, the reason why we want to get your information is so that during tax time, we can be able to give you back what you've given because 100% what you give to bold and to the church is tax deductible. So I'm asking you, we're asking you to fill that out, and next week, you're going to turn in your card. And I'm not going to see it. I give you my word. We have two people who do accounts here. They're the only two people who are going to see it. But here's what we're going to do. In two or three weeks, we're going to tally up what you guys commit to give over two years. And we're going to see, did we make the goal? Because if we did, well, this is the second thing we're going to ask you to do next week. We're going to do a special offering next week. 
We're going to do our regular offering before the message. All right, we're going we're to do that. We always do that, and that's going to go to regular ministry and all of this stuff. After the message next week, we are doing something called a first fruits offering. In fact, you see over here, if you can go to that next slide if you wouldn't mind, it says two-year total commitment, and you're going to put that total number there. All right, and then first fruits, how much of the total gift I'm giving today in service uh, and online. All right. Now, here's what's about first fruits. First fruits is mentioned about 30 times in the Bible. And every time it's mentioned, it, it literally means what it sounds like. When you get your money, you give it first to God. You know how many times last fruits is found in the Bible? None. Because, you see, if you give to God after all the bills are paid, you know what's going to happen? You're never going to give. You just don't, right? You spend what you got. So what we're asking you guys to do is after the sermon next week, we're all going to give a huge sacrificial offering, and we're just going to give that to God. And let me tell you what your children, if you have ch children in here, they have already raised over $140 that they're going to give towards bowl. And 100% of, of their money and your money that you give is going to go towards moving dirt so that we can put a building on that land. It's not going to be used for anything else. So that's... Our children, aren't they amazing? They're so amazing. Now, some of you, you're a parent, and you're like, now I know where my change has been going. You're right. Right? They've been swiping it. Swiper, no swipey. All right? So here's the thing. That was good. All right. Um, I'm asking you. I'm chuckling myself up. i got to get off stage quickly. Um, I'm moving from notes. Here's the thing. I'm asking you to make a bold investment. For some of you, I talked to an army wife uh, on Tuesday. And she says, you know what? She says, every year, we would give, get back an eight to $10,000, um, what do you call them, um, when, tax return. Thank you very much. And as I was talking to this individual, she says, you know what? I've got nothing to show for those eight to $10,000 I would give, I would get every year. Nothing. To show. This person, their exact words were, we spend it on the Olive Garden. And I'm thinking, you might have an issue, Right. But think about it. If you get big tax returns like that, you probably don't have a lot to show for those if you did it, got it 10 years ago. It's probably rotting in a landfill somewhere. I'm asking you to pray about this. What if you said, you know what? Okay, I'm not going to do a weekly or bi-weekly or monthly. I'm just going to do this for the next two years. Whatever I get, I'm just going to give. Whatever I get back from Uncle Sam, I'm just going to give. Would that be bold for you? What would that look like for you? I, I'm not making anything public, and I'm not going to violate that rule, but I'm just going to tell you, my wife and I, we have struggled through this. I've known that bold's been coming for months now. You guys have known about it for about five weeks. And we had a conversation yesterday um, as we were doing some uh, stuff around the house, and uh, she wanted to rearrange the wood pile because she wanted to put it in large to small um, different uh, things and take it out and bind up the... Anyway, we're talking. I love my wife, and she's not here. So uh, anyway, um, we talked about it, and I, she had a she had a she had a figure in her mind. I had a figure in my mind. And we talked about it. And we prayed about it. And we had some discussions. Anybody have any discussions? And okay, I'm gonna tell you what I, I'm gonna tell you what we're going to do. Not a dollar amount, but I want to let you know I'm gonna lead by example here. 
I'm not going to ask you to do something that I'm not willing to do. So we're going to double what, we're going to, what we've been giving. And, and that's going to be a sacrifice. I tell you, this past week I went to the bank and I refinanced some stuff so that I could get a little bit more margin so that we could be able to do that. Now listen, I'm not asking you to do that. I'm not giving you any guilt. I'm letting you know, as your pastor, I, I, we have some catch-up to do because we really haven't been obedient for a long time. But I'm so grateful. As soon as we came to one church, we started doing online giving, and we figured out for us that's the easiest and best way for us to give. It keeps us consistent because I never do see it. Never I do have to write out a check. But I'm just going to ask you guys. Ask your spouse. Ask God. What does that look like for you? Here's what I promise you. It's an investment. Over the past almost eight years now, 7,200 people have walked through these doors and sat where you sat. It's an investment. We've seen over 900 people give their lives to Jesus Christ. It's an investment. We've seen over 400 people get baptized. Children, spouses. I mean, imagine if you could give, and, and out of that giving, you see God do some amazing things in your life, in your heart, in your family, and your child gets saved here. Your spouse gets saved here. I mean, a spouse who was just totally going a different direction and that God was able to reconcile you. I'm just telling you, it's an investment. So I'm just going to pray for us. And then I'm going to ask you guys next week, we're going to come and we're going to do two things. We're going to give a special offering to God. And all of us, we're going to make that commitment. I'm asking you to pray. What would God, what would sacrifice look like to you? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much, Lord, that we can just be able to come and, and just be able to, Lord, just be able to work through some of these issues because, Lord, we have, do have fears around this and we do, Lord, I've used excuses for years. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you so much for this opportunity. Lord, not many churches have this opportunity. And, Lord, I know that as much as it calls out some fear in us, God, I know that Lord, this is an investment for the things that matter to you. It's investment in our friends. It's investment in that family who will PCS once we leave. Lord, it, it's an investment in people who woke up this morning with no hope. It's investment in people who wondered, is there really a God? Does he really care for me? Is he even knowable? Is he personal? Does he know who I am? Lord, it's investment in people who got burned by the church years ago because people who tried and people who gave up and people who are living an incredibly productive life but are empty. Father, I pray, Lord, I know that you're the hope in this world. Lord, that, and Lord, you gave us Jesus, that you gave sacrificially. And Lord, that you're not afraid of commitment. And Lord, I pray that we would be a church that's not afraid of commitment either. Lord, I pray that as we come, we wouldn't compare our gifts with anybody else's gifts. Lord, that we would just be faithful with what you've already given us, God. Because that's all you're asking. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Y'all watch this video, and then Dave's going to come out, and y'all guys are free to go. Thank you guys for being here. Thanks. Have you ever noticed that kids ask a lot of questions? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? anything to eat? Why is the sky blue? And sometimes they ask tougher questions, like, How do I know God loves me? Am I on the naughty list? 
How come I can't see God? What is heaven like? When your kids have questions about faith, we've got a great place to start that conversation. It's called Jumpstart, and it's a place where parents and kids can learn about faith together. Kids will always have a lot of questions, but together we can help them discover what matters most. 